We spend time now around your word. We want to be Bible people. We want to be people that hear your truths and hear your principles and live our lives according to that. So we open our hearts, we open our lives, we open our minds right now. And we ask that you would make your word come alive to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Why don't you just uh, smile at the person next to you and just check if they are still with us at this point in time. I guess they are still with you. Would you please turn to Joshua chapter 9. Please take up your Bible, turn to Joshua chapter 9. Just a reminder, we always encourage you, bring your Bible to church. Husbands, bring your Bible. Wife, bring your Bible. And follow along as we read the Word. Now, the title of the message this morning is, Allowing God to Guide Your Life. You may want to write that down. Allowing God to Guide Your Life. And as you turn into Joshua 9, I'd like to start off and, by way of introduction, say that as followers of Jesus Christ, it's tremendously important that we allow God to guide and lead our lives. It's not okay to just give your life to Jesus just to pray the sinner's prayer and to make that commitment to Christ. The moment you begin to make that commitment, straight after that is a journey that begins to follow. And it's a journey in which Father God wants to lead you. He is ready and able to guide you. And He wants to be involved in the decisions you make. How many of you agree? God wants to be involved in the decisions that I make in life. Now, Joshua 9, verse 3. A very interesting story. And I believe that we can learn some principles out of this. It says in verse 3, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai. What had Joshua done? Well, he had destroyed the people at the instruction of the Word of God. When they heard of this, verse 4, they worked craftily. They were skilling. And went and pretended to be ambassadors. This is now the enemy. They pretended this to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country, now, therefore, make a covenant with us. So just to explain that this is actually the neighbors, their geographical neighbors, Israel's geographical neighbors. So they devised a plan where they would come to Joshua and the, Israel, the, the nation of Israel, and they would make it look like they had journeyed from a far country. And then they would say to the guys, would you make a covenant with us? And that's why they had sacks on their donkeys and their sandals were worn out and their uh, wineskins had burst and, and uh, they had mended them. So they wanted it to look like they had traveled from a very far country. It was one of the biggest hoax of Scripture, if I can put it that way. 
And it says, uh, verse 7, but, when, but the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you dwell among us. So how can we make a covenant with you? Kind of if you're our next door neighbors. And they said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you? And where do you come from? And they said to him, from a very far country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God, for we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. They're busy buttering them up. Skip verse 10, go to verse 11. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of the country spoke to us saying, take provisions with you for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. These guys are quite determined. This bread of ours, we took hot from our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins, which were filled, were new. And see, they are torn. And these garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Now verse 14, very important. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions. In other words, they gave them some of their provisions. They bought the lie. And it says, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. I've underlined that little phrase in my Bible. I've underlined it. I've highlighted it. But they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Verse 16. And it happened at the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. I'm sure you'll agree it's an interesting passage of Scripture, an interesting story. You see, God had given an instruction, and He had said, you go into the promised land, after you cross the river Jordan, west of the Jordan, you go in, and all the nations that are in your land, you take them out. You destroy them, and I will be with you. You drive them out of the land. So that was God's instruction. It was what God had planned. But then these neighbors whom they hadn't yet met acted as if they had come from a far country and tried to get these guys to have pity on them. And then they made a covenant saying, okay, we're not going to hurt you. We're not going to harm you. But take note, verse 12, 14. They did not ask the counsel of the Lord. We're talking about allowing God to guide your life. First point of four that I'd like to make this morning. Don't make the mistake of not consulting the Lord. Can you agree with that? Don't make the mistake of not consulting with the Lord. Joshua and his leaders did not consult with the Lord. They were hasty to make a decision. Perhaps they were under pressure to give an answer very quickly, to give an instant answer. But you know what? I think many times we face the exact same thing in life. Somebody comes and they want an instant answer, and they want your participation in this or that, or they want your commitment for this or that. And many times, if we don't first take those things to the Lord, we can end up making unwise decisions. I remember a few years ago, I found a certain pastor in the city, 
And I was wanting him to get involved in something. So over the phone, I said, listen, brother, uh, it's this and that. And the next thing, uh, how about it? Are you in? And he said to me, no, well, I would like to just have some time to consider it so that I can make a quality decision. And I was a bit irritated over the phone. I said, why are you so spiritual? Man, just decide. Are you in or out? Are you going to be involved in this or are you not going to be involved in this? But I remember it struck me that he said, I want to make a quality decision. And sometimes when we've been put under pressure to make a quick answer, to give a quick answer, it's actually best to say, no, no, wait. Give me a little bit of time. I'd like to think about it. Meanwhile, you're thinking, I'm going to consider it prayerfully. And then I'll give you a quality answer. And just an example is that uh, many times I get invited to go and minister at different places. During this week, I got invited to go minister in Nigeria. And the guy wanted to know, come on, can you come and be in Nigeria? (laughs) And I I tried to say, no, 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 let me just think about it. I said, here's my email address. Send me an invitation and I will consider it. But you know what? I could get involved in all sorts of things And God doesn't maybe specifically want me to be in Nigeria at this point in time, preaching there or something like that. It's important that we respond to the leading of the Lord. Jesus did the same thing. He did what he saw the Father do. What is the meaning of consult the Lord? It means to ask the Lord's counsel. It means to ask God about it. It means to inquire of the Lord. It means to seek the Lord's advice. And you know, folks, we must be very cautious of who we get into agreements with. When you're talking contracts, when you're talking written agreements and even handshake agreements and so on, we've got to make sure, is it God's plan that I do this? Is it God's plan that this 30% share of my company that this person is after, that I sell to them? Should I get into agreement with them? Should I get into this contract? And this is also where we should keep in mind the principle which says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. If you want to experience God's blessing, walk in His principles. If you want to experience problems, well then violate the principles. But there is a principle which says, do not be unequally yoked. Don't get into some sort of a tremendously binding contract with somebody who's not even batting for the same team as you. So number one, don't make the mistake of not consulting the Lord. Number two, don't depend on your own intelligence. Please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Rob, are you turning there? Just checking on you. In Proverbs chapter 3, there's a lovely scripture here. I've got a friend of mine who says that this is his favorite scripture in the whole Bible. And you're probably familiar with it, but let's allow the Holy Spirit to freshen it in our hearts. Proverbs 3 and verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then here's the key. And lean not on your own understanding. Do you think it's fair to say that Joshua and the leaders of Israel were leaning on their own understanding? They were. And it goes on to say, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. That is the way I really believe we need to run Choose Life Church. 
We need to run this church in a way that we're constantly acknowledging God. We're acknowledging Him. We're thanking Him. We're seeking His leading. We're asking Him for guidance. We're saying, God, direct us. And it says, verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Modern translation, don't get clever. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And here's the promise. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. What the scripture is saying is, don't try to figure out things on your own. Because you have a God who is interested in your life. He's interested in guiding you. He says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. He wants to be involved in the decisions you take, in the choices you make. He wants to be leading and guiding you. And I'm not saying that you have to go and spend lots of time in prayer for every single decision that you make. Yes, God does want to prompt you during the day and, and speak to you several times a day. But I'm talking more so about the bigger decisions that we make. For instance, do I accept this job offer? Do I relocate from Pretoria to Durban? Now, you never want to do that, would you? Do I take this opportunity to go overseas? Do I have another child? We all, all the time, we're making decisions. God wants to be involved. So that's number two. Don't depend on your own intelligence. But it's interesting. We're back to the aspect of trust in God. We're back to that aspect of dependence on God. Number three of four points. Number three, we need to take major decisions to the Lord for guidance. Please take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 6, which is the last scripture I'm going to take you to this morning. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 6. And verse 12 and 13. Just a question before we look at the scripture. Before Jesus appointed all his disciples, do you know what he did? Just before. Let's have a look. Luke 6 and verse 12. It says, Now it came to pass in those days that he, that's Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. And look at this. And continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to him, and from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. Do you see the key here? Jesus spent the night in prayer before appointing his disciples. This was Jesus' dream team, so to speak. And he knew that God, the Father, had certain people in mind, and he had to check with the Father. Because at that point in time, there weren't only 12 people that were following Jesus. There were many that were gathered around him. I'm sure many people would have loved to have the position of being in the dream team of Jesus. Being one of the team of 12, one of his 12 disciples. But Jesus, even though he was God in the flesh, 
went up onto a mountain. He spent extensive time in prayer and he sought the face of the Father. He said, God, I've got to know who are these disciples? Which, which are the right ones that I need to appoint? And then he came down from the mountain immediately. He called the, or he called the disciples to him and he said, you, 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 you will be my disciples. And he also called them apostles. An interesting statement which I came across, which I believe is related to this. Listen to this, a statement by Elian Trueblood. It says, a public man, though he is necessarily available at many times, must learn to hide. If he is always available, he is not worth enough when he is available. Isn't that an interesting statement? I'd like to read it again. It's very good. I've actually got this printed out and uh, put up on my wall. It says, a public man, though, uh, though he is necessary, available at many times, must learn to hide. If he is always available, he is not worth enough when he is available. What did Jesus do? He went and hid. And there were several times when he went and hid. At one point in time, the disciples came looking for him. They said, the people are after you, Master. They want in miracles. They want in you to teach them. Where are you? And he was up praying, talking to the Lord. But I believe that sometimes we have to go and hide ourselves and be prayerful before the Lord. And then we come out of those times and we make decisions. Sir, in terms of your company, ma'am, you might be running your own company. There's times when you actually need to leave the office Go spend 45 minutes at home having a cup of coffee or somewhere at a coffee shop, spending time saying, God, what do you want me to do? Do I appoint this person? Do I appoint that person? Give me wisdom. And you know what? I believe God is interested in those nitty-gritty details, and He would love to prompt you, give you thoughts, give you ideas. In terms of before starting Choose Life, I really extensively sought the Lord. It was a massive decision to launch out and start Choose Life Church. And praise the Lord, that was three and a half years ago, and look what the Lord has done, and all the glory and the honor to the Lord. Can we give the Lord a hand? Praise the Lord. But you know, I can honestly say that for, even for years, I was prayerfully looking at things in my heart, and I was saying, God, lead me. God, guide me. I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Lord, just make it clear. Just make it plain to me. But sometimes there's decisions that you will journey with for a long time because God says there is an appointed time at which that release will take place. And you don't want the thing of God for your life a day sooner than it needs to take place. I'm also thinking in terms of the planting of Choose Life Country Church, which is going to happen just now. And the guys are there and busy getting ready and so on. It's happening today. Exciting. But you know, it wasn't just a case of, well, we've got a vision to plant churches. Choose Life is going to do this. And so here's a gap. Let's take it. No, no, no. We inquired of the Lord. I spent time in prayer. And the Lord gave me two particular scriptures. And one of them related to light coming in a place where there is darkness. And I believe that that is an area which, in, in man's view, we wouldn't ordinarily go look to plant a church there. But you see, God knows what's going to happen in the future in that area. 
And I believe that we sought the Lord's face. And I, I chatted with the church board. And, and there was a sense of peace and a sense of witness. We consulted, so to speak, with the Lord. And I believe that the result will prove that God has spoken. And so I want to say that when somebody approaches you with an important proposal or a deal, before you commit, consult with the Lord. A very important life decision that you have to seek God's advice on is the choice of a life's partner. I want to tell you, if you choose the person that, that isn't the one that the Lord has in mind for you, you could sink your destiny. And I've seen, as I've counseled many times with people in the church environment, how the choice of a life's partner is so critical. And just on that point, I'd like to say the following, that many times when you are getting married, I'm talking now especially younger couples, you have to listen very carefully to the advice of your parents. I believe that parents are anointed to advise. Even though you may be past the age of 21 years old, I want to tell you, if your mom and dad put their foot down and say, we really don't think this is the right person, and you defy that and just go ahead and couldn't care less, I would be very, very cautious. There's times when parents may just decide to be difficult and you've got to go ahead. But on the whole, if your parents have got a heart for you, if they really want the best for you, you've got a good relationship with them, then take heed of their advice. There is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. But point number three, we need to take major decisions to the Lord for guidance. And I'd like to challenge you on this. Can you think of a recent decision that you've made, let's say within the last 18 months? Maybe it was a key decision. Did you take it to the Lord? Did you ask the Lord for guidance? And if you did, well done. If you didn't, well, be encouraged through this message to begin to take things to the Lord in prayer. Number four, the last point. Follow David's example of inquiring of the Lord. Do you know that nine times in the Old Testament, this phrase, David inquired of the Lord, appears. David was a wonderful example in terms of not wanting to go out and do his own thing in his own will and expertise, but he wanted to follow God. And I'd like to read to you a few phrases. You don't need to turn. 1 Samuel 22, 23 verse 2. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go against these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. 1 Samuel 23 verse 4, Then David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said, Go, arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. 2 Samuel 2, verse 1. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, where shall I go up? And he said to Hebron. God would even give details. 2 Samuel 5 verse 19. So David inquired of the Lord, 
saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. Second Samuel 5.23, this is just two more. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, You shall go up, circle around them, and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. Even practical, strategic details God was giving. The last one, 2 Samuel 21, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered and said, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. What are we saying here? David inquired of the Lord. I really and truly want to be a person that inquires of the Lord. As I look at the the future of Choose Life and where God wants to take us and what God wants to do, yes, there is a vision. And we passionately communicate that vision. And every time the new members come in, we, we let them know, we share the vision. But you know what? At the same time, besides for the fact of having a vision, like Joshua and his guys had the vision of a promised land, we still have to step by step inquire of the Lord. We have to consult the Lord. But the wonderful thing is, he says, my sheep hear my voice. The wonderful thing is, he wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. And so I want to urge you, I want to encourage you, that you would incline your ear to the Lord. And that you would say, God, would you guide me and lead me? Would you please stand and take the hand of the person next to you as we pray? As I pray this prayer, I'd like to ask that you just agree with me in your heart. Heavenly Father, we realize that we need you to lead us and to guide us. Thank you, Lord, that you are there. You are available and you're wanting to lead us and guide us. Thank you that your word says that we will hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. Lord, we also just want to say that we do apologize for making decisions purely on our own. We want to apologize for resting on our own intelligence, for trusting in the arm of the flesh, for at times even getting clever. But we want to say we choose humility. We choose humble dependence. We choose to trust in you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would tap us on the shoulder and that you would remind us to consult you. That you would remind us to inquire of the Lord like your servant David did. And I thank you that as we do that in simple obedience, that the results will be remarkable because we will be making decisions that are God ideas, not good ideas. We will be making decisions that produce results and fruitfulness because of a life of obedience. Lord Jesus, we say thank you for today. Thank you that you've spoken into our hearts. and We say that we love you. And now I pray the prayer of Jabez over everyone here. I say, oh God, would you bless us indeed. 
and enlarge our territory, our influence. I pray that your hands, your hand would be with us and upon us, that you would keep us from evil and that we would not cause pain. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for His goodness?